It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 296. It's 296, I think, uh, of Locked On Raptors for March 19th, Monday. Uh, well, I'm out of sorts already. I'm, of course, your host, Sean Woodley of LockedOnRaptors.com uh, and RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter at Woodley Sean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. We can find links to every single episode. Of course, make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network, uh, all 30 NBA teams across the network. Uh, make sure you're checking them out. If you find a show you like, make sure you're subscribing to it on iTunes. Leave a rating and a review. It really helps the host out uh, and sort of makes them more visible in their respective market. And if you do that with us, we become more visible on the top Canadian charts. So please do that. Uh, it takes no time at all. If you find Locked On Raptors ratings, reviews, uh, it takes it's, it's so, so easy. So please do that. Uh, also, coming up on the network this week, I'm not sure if it's going to be included as part of one of these shows or if it's just something else. I'll, I'll point you to and there's a chance it might get tacked on the end of one of these podcasts this week David Locke uh, boss man of the network sat down with Adam Silver commissioner of the, of the NBA uh, over the weekend I think and uh, you might it's about I think a 10 or 15 minute interview you're going to hear that at some point I'll probably just like splice it into a podcast or there's a chance it might automatically get added to the end of the podcast um, just through our, our platform our, our network thing so stay tuned for that if you're interested in that I'll definitely point out when that'll be uh, coming up later this week uh, alright Let's get to the show today. On to the show with me today. From his car, it's Vivek Jacob. How's it going, buddy? Pretty good. I'm, uh, a... Don't worry. Hey, I'm driving safe. I've got my Bluetooth on, so uh, <laughs> we'll power through. <laughs> uh, yes, please be safe. Um, don't be looking up any stats or anything. Uh, I, 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 too, will not look up any stats or anything because I, I'm lazy. I don't like the typing sound that goes into the microphone. So it's all off the dome today. Uh, the Raptors played the Thunder yesterday in what was until like the last five minutes or so, maybe one of the best games of the season, just in terms of any game played. Uh, the shot making was incredible. The back and forth nature of it, there was like a million lead changes in the fourth quarter. You know, he had really great performances from Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan and, and Russell Westbrook, Steven Adams up and down the board. It was a fantastic game. Raptors ended up losing 132-125, 133-125. Can't remember uh, the insane number of points that the, the Thunder ended up scoring, but uh, Raptors lost it. They got a bunch of dudes ejected late. Dwayne Casey got ejected for something a fan said, it seems. Um, bit of a wild finish. Mark Davis uh, was all over this game and his whole ref crew, really. Uh, what was your big takeaway? You were there. I was not there. I was watching on a, a grainy stream while covering uh, U Sports Volleyball Championships in McMaster. So I didn't quite catch like all the broadcast stuff. I caught a little bit of it at the end, but I was mostly just watching Muted on a, on a stream. Uh, you were there. What was it like in the building? What was your takeaway from the game? Uh, regale me of the tales of Sunday afternoon. Yeah, in terms of the building, it was actually a pretty disappointing uh, afternoon crowd. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I was I was thinking about the Houston game and how revved up everyone else uh, seemed to be about that game. And right from the tip-off, it felt like a playoff game. The Raptors had the early run. The crowd really got into it. And with this one, it just seemed like everyone was asleep 
uh, despite it being a really fun game to watch. You know, Westbrook and Adams right off the bat with their uh, 1-5 pick and roll. Raptors had no answers, whether it was JV or Jakob Pertl. Eventually, Casey had to turn to uh, Lucas Nogueira, who actually gave him some good minutes. It was surprising to not see him uh, in the second half. Hmm. But uh, uh, beyond that, yeah, really fun game. Uh, you know, the guy who did wake up the crowd was CJ Miles in the fourth quarter when he had that monster dunk on Patrick Patterson. <laughs> Welcome back to Toronto. Um, so that was tons of fun. And then all of a sudden, uh, that's when the crowd seemed to get into it. Miles knocking down some threes. But overall, really fun game. Lowry, it's really good to see him again in a big game. Uh, play his best unfortunately he fouled out um, and that's something that you know you, you want him to be smarter than that sh- the fifth one was obviously a tough one uh, to get on the jump shot on the Westbrook jump shot but uh, the sixth uh, for him to pick up an offensive foul that was really unnecessary um, let's just say a lot of people can talk about that DeRozan non-call at the end of the game but there was plenty that the Raptors did uh, to lose it themselves. Uh, John Casey, before the game, pregame, uh, he talked about the importance of rebounding and just the way the Thunder took advantage of the second chance, second chance points when they played in Oklahoma City, and they had no answer here. You look at uh, the box score, um, if I remember correctly, because uh, I'm not looking, uh, Stephen Adams had five offensive boards. I think Westbrook had another five for himself. So that's 10 offensive rebounds for those two alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, pretty much uh, you call him clairvoyant Casey, I guess. He knew what was coming, and the Raptors had no answer for it. Yeah, I'm going off brand here and actually pulled up the box score. Uh, you're correct. Uh, 14 offensive rebounds in total, five for Adams, five for Westbrook. Um, and, yeah, like that's. There's been a weird thing in some games this season where the Raptors have lost so few games that I think the reasons why they lose those few games are kind of pronounced. And I think, you know, of their 18 losses this year, I'd say probably like eight or nine have been largely a result of just not being able to clean up the defensive glass and getting torched on the offensive glass. You know, that Spurs game comes to mind, the other Thunder game this season. Um, But I'm not sure it's anything that's all that pressing because the Raptors overall are a pretty good rebounding team. They're middle of the pack defensive rebounding wise, um, and they're an excellent offensive rebounding team for every game that they They've been killed by a team on the offensive glass. They have killed another team on the offensive glass and even more. Um, so I'm not sure that's like a pressing thing going forward. But yeah, that, that that's definitely a concern when it happens. I think the, the, the example of this game is just like the Thunder are a really tough matchup for the Raptors, I think. Um, and I'm not sure I totally like the way they defended the Westbrook Adams pick and roll. Uh, going under on, on Westbrook doesn't seem, sorry, going over the screen on Westbrook doesn't seem like the smart idea. Like, just let him bomb away from threes. He shoots like, what, 30% from three at best. Just let him bomb away if you if, if that's your thing. Like, you can kind of treat him differently than you would treat, like, Steph Curry, for example. And we know the Raptors have had issues defending that pick and roll as well in the past, but. Uh, with Westbrook, like giving him space to shoot, I think is preferable to him driving and having options in the pick and roll. And with Adams rolling, it's sort of lurking there. I, I kind of think that's preferable. But uh, you know, the the bigs are up are in tough against Adams. Adams is really freaking good. So it's not like a, a bad sort of omen for the team that they couldn't defend him. Like very few teams can properly defend that guy. He's so underrated uh, and such just a load to handle that you know he's like big Clint Capella almost. Like I'd say he's probably better than Clint Capella. They're very comparable players, I think, but. Uh, like, he's just a big, bruising version, so, you know, Valanciunas is overmatched physically, 
in, ter in terms of speed, and then Pirtle just didn't stand a chance. I'm kind of surprised, actually, that Bebe looked decent um, against that because, like, it seems like he's a guy who would get bullied around by Adams, too, because most guys get bullied around by Adams, but... Um, yeah, just, uh, I think a game that was played very well up until the end. You mentioned the officiating. I, th I think this game, like, I don't really put this on the Raptors as, like, having completely blown it. Yes, there are reasons why they lost. I think the Thunder just played out of their damn minds. And they're actually playing for playoff seating and stuff like that. So maybe you could expect them to be more desperate than a team that's played seven games in 11 nights or whatever it is for the Raptors. So not totally shocked that at the end it came down to the thunder but uh the officiating was a thing for sure and you can't really not talk about it because you know three raptors got ejected and or one fouled out three and two got ejected and Dwayne Casey got ejected and that kind of dictated how the game was going to go Paul George was sitting on five fouls as well like the conspiracy theorists are going to be out there I don't think this was anything like where the Raptors got jobbed in particular I think it was just like a poorly officiated game all around like I think there were just too many fouls called in total it was 25-24 in personal fouls for the Raptors so it's not like there was a huge disparity I just thought like stop calling all this ticky-tack bullshit <laughs> kind of was my take on it but well, I don't know you were there did you think that the game was kind of being overcalled a little bit by the officiating crew yeah I did think it was being overcalled a little bit um there are certain things where you just want the consistency both ways, and that's what Dwayne Casey talked about uh, after the game, saying that they just want the same call being made on both ends. And I think there were a couple of times where they even, you know, zoomed in on Casey on the jumbotron, and you could see him sort of mouthing, just call it both ways. Mm. And I think that that's that's what players want more than anything, just so they can understand, you know, what is being called, what isn't being called. And so when you see the same call go against you both ways that's when players are gonna get riled up and agitated so um you know i, I think the officiating this season we all know has been a major storyline um heck you know you've got the nba twitter account the nba official twitter account going at the nba referee account that's how <laughs> bad it's become so um yeah it, that is a major issue um but ultimately you know you well, when it's a tie game, or at least when you have the opportunity to tie the game, uh, you don't want to see a game go down like that where it's a missed call that sort of changes the direction of the game. Um, but as we discussed earlier, the, the fact that the Raptors had no answer to that 1-5 pick and roll, um, to your point about you know just playing off Westbrook a little bit and going onto the screen, uh, I, the, one, the one issue with that is he is the type of guy, though, that doesn't take it as space to shoot. He takes it as okay. Now I've got a runway to come right at you. Right, right. And and then and then you know you, you're either you're pretty much putting yourself in no man's land because you're probably just going to draw a foul because uh, he's coming right at you. Um, so that and I was watching it. I I think it's just something that's really difficult to guard if you don't have a guy that can really match um, Adams' strength. And athleticism. He's one of those rare guys who's as strong as uh, JB, if not stronger. And you know, he's just as big, and but he's faster. Mm -hmm. And so you know, and he's pretty quick with his jump as well. You know, he's got that second jump uh, right after the first, and that's what makes him so difficult. And I think that's where Jonas sort of lost out. And, uh, for for Jakob Pertl, he, he's going to have to gain way more muscle to be able to put, uh, put up with a guy like Adams. So I think that was just a tough matchup for him. Um, and then Westbrook, I mean, that guy, 
in the fourth quarter was just unbelievable. It, I think it was 17 of his 37 points that he scored in the fourth uh, came in. And when, when he's knocking down the jumper, when he hit that uh, straight on three from about, you know, 28 feet, that's when you're probably looking at it with the Raptors chasing uphill that, that it was probably going to be the Thunder's night cause, or Thunder's afternoon anyway. Because um, when he's making his jump shot, there's literally nothing that you can do to stop him. He gets to the line. He's making the jumper. Um, he's setting up teammates as well. He's picking up triple doubles. He's getting the ball off the offensive board. I mean, he's a he, he's a human wrecking ball when he's firing on all cylinders, and he's the MVP for a reason. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, like I probably value Westbrook lower than a lot of guys, but it's really hard to argue with this 37, 13, and 14 on 15 of 22 shooting. Um, and he's capable of doing that. Like, maybe he doesn't do it every single night. Maybe there are nights where he gets a little too carried away with trying to carry the offense, but I think he's been better with that this season, sort of deferring to Paul George and Carmelo and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, he's a hard player to guard, and in tandem with Adams, it's a really difficult thing too. I think the, the nice thing for Raptors fans, the encouraging thing, is that like, there are very few matchups in the league that are like this. You mentioned Pirtle might have to gain some muscle to be able to hang with guys like Adams. And like like I said, that's a case for a lot of people. <laughs> like A lot of people have less muscle and less physicality than Steven Adams. He's a very gifted player because of it. Um, but like if you look around the Eastern Conference, for example, like I don't really think there's any team that's like, oh man, this team is just going to bully the Raptors and kill them on the offensive glass and that 1-5 pick and roll can be replicated because it requires a ridiculous point guard who is hard to sort of navigate uh, in terms of what you want to do in terms of going over or under with, and it requires an excellent center like Adams, and I don't know if there's a combo like that in the Eastern Conference right now, and you know, I don't think in the playoffs it's going to matter all that much that they weren't able to hang with the Thunder unless, of course, this is like a finals matchup, which obviously is not going to happen. Um, but like that's, I think, the only t- time that will really come back around to bite the Raptors because I think most of the teams that can beat the Raptors in that way are probably concentrated at West anyway. So I don't know. Is there a team in the East that you look at and say like maybe this is a formula for beating the Raptors and, and sort of maybe they can replicate it? I mean, I guess the Sixers would be the one, but I think Simmons is a little bit easier to guard in that sort of like you just just go under him, and yes, he's physical. And will try to barrel into you, but like just go under the screen and force him to shoot. I think that's going to be a strategy for any team that faces the Sixers. But I don't know. Is there a team that you think can kind of concoct a similar formula to what the Thunder have done two times this season now? No, not really. I mean, there's only one Russell Westbrook in the league. Yeah. Uh, but in terms of that Adams type, in terms of just a, an individual matchup. Uh, you would have to say Joel Embiid can present a lot of the problems that Stephen Adams does, and probably to a greater degree because he can stretch the floor all the way out to the three. So um, I think Embiid is probably uh, the guy that can give the most problems uh, like Adams, uh, but I still don't think that it's something um, that the Raptors have to worry about in general in the Eastern Conference. You look at, you know, if they were to play a Cleveland in a seven-game series, they're certainly not going to worry about um, Kevin Love or 
Tristan Thompson doing any of that. So, mm-hmm. um, and then even even with Boston, Al Horford's not going to hurt you that way. Aaron Baines isn't skilled enough. So, uh, Greg Monroe, you know that's someone that you know he, just last year he got buckets uh, against the Raptors. So, uh, I don't think he can hurt you to that extent where you know it's sort of unguardable. Um, that's one where Jonas Valanciunas should favor himself uh, this season, especially with the way he's played uh, throughout the year. Yeah, I mean, if you're in a series against the Celtics and they're funneling the the, the offense towards Greg Monroe, I think that's a win. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I think the Raptors and Raptors fans can kind of rest easy a little bit, knowing that this is probably just like a particularly difficult matchup, and you know you don't want to have teams that you just don't match up well with. But like every team has them, and this is just one of them, and they're happen to be in the Western Conference, and they're not going to play again this season in all likelihood. So. Um, no, nothing. I, I don't know. I keep trying to find like negative parts of this game to sort of try to analyze and say, oh, maybe this is a bit of a red, a red flag. But like, it's their first loss in twelve games. It's their second loss in like twenty games. Uh, I, I guess the defense would be, and, and I think like the defensive struggles yesterday are probably tied a lot into the the Thunder and that matchup that we talked about. But I don't know. Is there cause for concern with the defense of late? I think it's kind of slipped a little bit. Um, you know, they're kind of giving up big halves to kind of crappy offensive teams. I mean, the Mavs kind of went off in the first half on Friday before the Raptors clamped down. The Nets, like, they had a ridiculous half that was just, like, powered by some unbelievably hot shooting that was probably not sustainable, but still happened on the Raptors' watch. Is there any sort of concern creeping in for you with the Raptors' defense, which has been top three or four all season long? I think it's fourth right now. Um, or is this just, like, they're really good and kind of coasting and not trying too hard right now? Yeah, I mean, I, I think dribble penetration has historically been a problem, and... Um, it's better now because of DeLon and Fred Van Vliet. I, I do think Lowry has lost a step defensively and isn't as good as he used to be, a, a, at least one-on-one. Um, there's still a lot of team things that he does well, proves effective in. But, and that post-defense, uh, baby. What's that? And that post-defense, baby. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I think just the dribble penetration, the fact that, you know, they just had no answer for Westbrook. I mean, it was either he was going to miss the shot, or but he was going to. At the end of the day, he was going to get what he wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, but the positive side of that, again, when you go back to the Eastern Conference, is you look around the league. Uh, well, you look around the East, and you know who are the elite guards that can actually create that much havoc. And uh, there isn't that many because you look at uh, Cleveland. One of the reasons they pose such big problems for the Raptors the last couple of years is because you had to deal with LeBron James and you had to deal with Kyrie Irving. I think mm-hmm. you know guard play, star guard play is so valuable now in the league. And so you know you look at Cleveland, they don't they don't have it. You look at Boston, obviously Kyrie is a problem. Um, but you know at, at this point they might have to get through Cleveland. Uh, so. Uh, you know, Milwaukee with Bledsoe, I don't think that's uh, something the Raptors will be too worried about. Uh, and then, yeah, and then you just go down from there. So the the guard play in the East is not something that would cause uh, the Raptors the problems that they had in this game. So I wouldn't worry about it too much. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. 
Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, I think it's probably a case of playing pretty easy teams, not really taking it all that seriously, and probably for good reason. Like, there's no need to go and kill yourself in these games. Like, if you can win them late by, you know, kicking it in the fourth quarter, why not? And try to save yourself because uh, this is a long stretch of games for the Raptors. By the end of next week, it'll be like, what, like 11 games in 15 days or something like that? Like, it's a pretty jam-packed schedule right now. And I'm okay with the Raptors not taking every single game like they're the Celtics and trying to win everything and go hard and play, you know, insane defense the entire game because I think that eventually wears down on you and sort of uh, chips away your effectiveness later on. Um, you tweeted an interesting thing yesterday, and I, this, this can kind of dovetail into more of a conversation that stems from Friday when Kyle Lowry rested. Um, but you tweeted yesterday about uh, Kyle's numbers lately when uh, when playing against good teams and sort of how the Raptors' plan of resting him this season, limiting his minutes, has really sort of worked. Uh, since February 1st versus teams above 500. Uh, 20.1 points, 4.7 boards, 6.4 assists on 47.3% from deep on 8.2 attempts, and the Raptors are 6.3 in the, six and three in those games. Um, and like this, I think more than anything, I didn't really even notice this. I hadn't really noticed an uptick in Lowry's play against these good teams, but those numbers really sort of give me hope that like this is the most important thing I think for the playoffs to be different is for Lowry to be healthy and just like at 100% or close to it, as opposed to being completely broken down or whatever he's been dealing with the last few seasons. And the fact that he's done this in games that really matter, and, like, yeah, he has played really well in a lot of these games. Like, it's given me, like, like an uncomfortable amount of belief, I think, that this is actually going to translate to the playoffs. Um, Like, I've been believing it all season, but I think this is, like, the last thing for me where it's, like, this seems to be working, and the the whole plan of this season seems to be coming into play now that the Raptors have played some tougher games, and they have a few good tests down the stretch as well before the playoffs. Um, I don't know. Given how good Lowry's been in these games, uh, considering all the rest he's gotten, considering they rested him on Friday, what's your sort of outlook for what the Raptors should be doing in terms of resting now? They're five games up at the East. Um, they still have a loaded schedule for the next little while here. Back-to-back still, uh, you know, littered throughout the end of the schedule. How are you going to go about, if you're Dwayne Casey, resting guys to try to keep the effect that the, obviously the rest has had on a guy like Lowry? Like, could you try to spread the wealth wealth a little bit? Are you going to try to rest DeRozan, Ibaka? Like, how would you play it going forward here for the Raptors with 12 games left? Yeah, with 12 games left, I, I think with the games that come against, you know, the Orlandos and all these the teams that are sort of in the tankapalooza, I think that's when you have to maximize the rest for these guys. And, but at the same time, you want to keep them in a, in a, in a rhythm. Mm. Uh, we've seen before where the, the Raptors have tried resting Lowry and Rosen, and they've sort of complained about how they kind of lost their rhythm. And then, you know, we, we've seen how the game ones go. So uh, I don't think uh, you want to have them completely fall out and just have a few days off. But at the same time, if you can sort of get them uh, to take care of whatever Nick's uh, that they have, um, then all, I'm all for it. At the same time, uh, I, I I do think it's a real possibility that the Raptors will go to the finals this year. And if you are thinking that far ahead, then you know you have to keep in mind that the Raptors are just a game behind the Golden State Warriors. Uh, they've got Kevin Durant and Steph Curry out. They've got Clay Thompson out. 
if you can finish with a better record than them and have home court in the NBA Finals, then uh, I think you do go for it. How is this a thing we're even talking about? Good God, it's so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's a consideration that I, maybe not a lot of people are thinking of, but damn, that's something you have to really factor in. Uh, so 12 games left, as I mentioned. Six of them are part of back-to-backs uh, from now to the end of the season. So tomorrow it's the Magic and then the Cavs on Wednesday. you got to think they're going to rest guys, at least DeRozan maybe, for that Magic game. Uh, maybe Ibaka uh, too. Like, yeah, give DeRozan a break. I think, I think definitely uh, let Ibaka have the night off too. Yeah. I, I think like you can beat the Magic with Lowry and the bench guys and, and Jonas and OG, I think. Like... You shouldn't need more than that to beat the Magic. Obviously, the last time they played was pretty close, but again, one of those games, I think the Raptors just didn't really care. Um, yeah. And like with the back-to-back from Orlando to Cleveland, like that's an insane back-to-back. That does, like that that's that weird. seems like the kind of thing that the NBA schedule maker, you know, obviously, like they tried to limit back-to-backs this season and they did a good job of that, I guess. But like this has to be one of those things where if you're the schedule maker, it must just make your OCD go crazy because it's like, I can't not have this back-to-back, obviously, but goddamn, this is a terrible back-to-back. Um, I think ESPN's metric has that Cavs game as like an alarm alert game or whatever, the schedule alert game, um, just because of the, the number of games that they've played of late and the fact that it's a back-to-back from Orlando to Cleveland. So yeah, I would say 100% rest DeMar and, and Surge tomorrow. Surge has looked a little ragged lately. I, I was asked about Surge on the radio today. I think people are starting to get a little concerned. I still stand by the fact that I think come playoff time, he's going to be totally fine and totally Surge and will be uh, motivated and like back to the point where we've seen him in the playoffs in the past. So I'm not too concerned there. But like resting him couldn't hurt, considering all the games that have been played. And yeah, I mean, the Cavs game, I guess you, in a way you could argue like maybe rest guys for that one if you want the Cavs to get the three seed. I doubt they'll do that because the Raptors really feel like they get up for it. It feels like these, they get up for these type of games against really good teams. Um, and then the next back-to-back, uh, speaking of games against good teams, uh, is between Cleveland at the, in Cleveland on uh, March 3rd and then at home to the Celtics on March 4th. That one I would hope they rest when they're in Cleveland. Um, not sure that'll happen either, but... Uh, that's an interesting one. And then the last one is uh, March 8th and Mar- March 9th, uh, home to the Magic at the Pistons. You got to think they'll April, probably. Right? What's that? April, right? That's what I meant. Yeah, sorry. April 8th and <laughs> April 9th. Um, yeah, home to the Magic at the Pistons. You would think they probably have to rest guys in one of those as well. Other than that, though, I don't really see them doing it because, you know, they have big games. They have the Nuggets, they have the Celtics, they have the Pacers. Um, all these, and the Heat is the last game of the season. Like, all these could have some ramifications for the standings. Um, and maybe the Raptors can kind of, you know, if they're playing the Heat, maybe they can try to choose who they want to play, maybe, um, without outwardly saying it. But yeah, I think. They'll be smart. I think they've been smart all season. Maybe we'll see longer runs for the bench. Maybe we'll see the back-end bench guys will get a little bit more run as well. Um, I just think the the priority now, as much as the home court thing would be nice, I think those numbers you spoke to with Lowry are too you know, encouraging to ignore. And I think resting and sort of making sure you're all healthy and in order for the playoffs is more important than the, than, than the home court because, like, Yes, I know the Warriors are beaten up, but like, if you're being realistic, I just don't think it really, really stand a chance in the finals against the Warriors. But I guess you never know. Um, yeah, I don't know. That, that's kind of where I'm at with the resting thing, though. Like, just try to get Demar. I think especially because Demar's looked kind of overworked of late. Um, like, he's not playing crazy, insane minute to- minutes totals, but he's had high usage of late. That Friday game against the Mavs, he just looked like he was completely exhausted. Um, so I, I'm a, I'm all on board with 
sort of applying what you've done to Lowry to DeRozan this season? Because like the, both of those guys being at 100% is incredibly important for the Raptors. Yeah, and just to go back to Lowry and, and those stats that I pointed out of him against plus 500 teams, I think for all of us it went unnoticed but just because of the way he's been used this year, the minutes being down, him having some down games against the mediocre teams. But I remember just going through the plus 500 teams and I'm like, oh yeah, he did have 29 against Washington. Oh yeah, he did have... 42 against Minnesota. You know, he had 30 against Houston. He had 22 and 10 uh, on Sunday against Oklahoma City. So, um, K-Lo is very much there. And you, you have to love what the Raptors are doing in terms of preserving that and making sure it's available not only uh, for this postseason run, but hopefully a couple more. Yeah, man. Uh, I think that's pretty much all we need to do today. I think we can wrap it there. Do you have anything that you'd like to plug right now? Um, yes, I have a piece coming out tomorrow, uh, and I will be making DeMar DeRozan's case, uh, to be on the All-NBA First Team. Ooh, all right, I'm here for that. Uh, that, yeah. no, that, the, the All-NBA shit's gonna be so hard for guards, man. I'm guessing yeah. you're uh, having him alongside Harden? Yeah, and, you know, just to be clear, this isn't one of those, you know, if it's total blasphemy if he's not there whatnot i'm just saying hey these are the facts steph curry has only played in 50 games this year and i think he just has a a very decent shot at well that's hardly exciting you should uh come with more fire and uh firm heavy-handed takes disappointing all right anyway uh should definitely be on the first team all nba there should be an investigation if he isn't yes because uh, who cares about Damian Lillard winning 13 straight with Portland? <laughs> agreed. Fully agreed. DeMar DeRozan is better there than Damian go. Lillard. Heard it here first on Lockdown Raptors. There's no bias there whatsoever. Um, all right, that's going to do it for today's episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. Follow Vivek, at Vivek M. Jacob. Follow Rita's thing on DeMar DeRozan. Definitely being a first-team All-NBA player, and if there's not, if he's not, there's a conspiracy afoot. Um, and uh, find me on Twitter at WillieSean. Find the show at Lockdown Raptors. I don't really have anything to plug writing-wise because I haven't written shit in a while, but I'll write something soon, I'm sure. Um, maybe. Eh, we'll see. Uh, I think I got a couple new writers for the site as well, so that there should be some stuff coming out there too. And uh, subscribe, rate, review the podcast on iTunes. Again, stay tuned for the Adam Silver with David Locke sit down. Uh, we'll be included on the podcast at some point this week, I'm sure. And uh, until then, thank you so much, and we'll talk to you next time on Lockdown Raptors. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Lockdown podcast ad free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.